Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, Pits. Pits differs <laughs> to This is the Pits. <laughs> welcome, welcome, Pits everywhere. Welcome, armpits, leg pits, ankle pits, and shoe pits. This is the worst introduction. I think it's a great introduction. I'm keeping it and I'm letting it lie. Okay, well, anyway, um, welcome to This is the Pits. My name is Michael Oberst. That is Chelsea Greenwood. And today we're talking about a movie from 2013. A real joy, pleasure walk in the park of a movie (laughs) called 12 Years a Slave. My feeling while watching it was very light and airy. Um, (laughs) I was going to say liberated, (laughs) for lack of a better term. No, there's no real way to make this movie funny. Um, No, there's not. I mean, except for how unfunny it is, is the only... (laughs) It's just so... Not a lick of humor in the whole thing. No, and with good reason. Um, but that being said... I guess that, yeah, like, what are... That being said, it is a really great movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's... I, okay. So... It's like, it deserves everything. Last yeah. time we talked about this movie, which was at the end of the last episode, you were like, I remember thinking it was heavy-handed. Yeah. But now that you've rewatched it, I don't think it was heavy handed. I mean, obviously, there's heavy handed moments that you're just like your whole body cringes and you just can't, you just want to turn away. But I don't, I think that was all, it all served the right purpose and it all the feelings. Right. But I also think just like outside of the subject matter, which is obviously very heavy and needs to be taken Mm -hmm. so seriously, I think that the filmmaking itself was really, really, really great from like the sound design to the costumes and the way it opens. Um, Yes. And just the idea in general of freedom being taken from anyone, whether or not you've had it in the past. Mm -hmm. It's just like, Mm -hmm. it's good. It's, it's a great movie to watch because it's a great movie to consider. And it's also really well made. Right. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just thoroughly a well-made movie Yeah. from every angle. Like, everything about this movie is well done. And I, I think that's that's because, like, I think any studio could have made this movie. Like, a, like a, an epic about slave or a slave who is... Uh, an epic about a free man who gets kidnapped into slavery. I guess anybody could have made that, and it would have felt like some big epic dramatic long thing and it but i don't think it would have been as wholly well done if it wasn't for steve mcqueen um who is an absolute genius he's an absolute genius i legit 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 thought that i when i saw that steve mcqueen had directed it that we were talking about like no you didn't yes i did (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) and then like halfway through i was like wait a minute steve mcqueen could not have directed this (laughs) then i realized no i well it is a little bit confusing because steve Steve mcqueen is not a common name no and and especially in like legendary you know, cinema people. It's like Steve McQueen. Right. And Clint Eastwood and Clint Eastwood's a director. So like, I figured (laughs) that they both like, right. But wow. What a numb nuts. What an interesting term for Steve McQueen. What? (laughs) The other Steve, the white Steve McQueen. What's the interesting? If he were to, if I was making a joke, if he were to have made this movie, 
it would have been quite oh. the interesting. I was get, well when I first twist. started watching the movie, I was like, I feel like it's pretty problematic that like <laughs> Car Race and Steve McQueen directed this. Who what gives them the right? Why is there more fuss about this? Uh, yeah. And then I, yeah. well, I watched since then have watched several interviews with the Steve McQueen who actually directed this movie, and he's. Were you watching those interviews, going, "Who is this guy, <laughs> and where's Steve McQueen?" <laughs> no, well, that's the thing. Like the minute Steve McQueen, who directed this movie, starts talking, since the moment he opens his mouth, you're like, "Oh, this person is a genius." Like he just has this gravitas. Oh yeah. Um. God, well, have you seen any of his other movies? I don't know. Have I? Tell me. Uh, well, the my favorite movie of his is Hunger. It's such a good fucking movie. Um, have you seen yeah. it? He's done Hunger. He's done um, Shame. He just did Widows, which hey, I've been I've meaning seen to see. Shame. Have I seen Shame? Possibly. It came out in 2011. It was, like, about nymphos, like, people cheating on each other. And then Widows also just came out. My point is that now it's, a, it's an exciting thing for me because I've now discovered this director I really hadn't, wasn't on my radar for whatever reason, and now I get to go back and revisit. And that's not happened yet in the life of this podcast, and it's such a great feeling for me to be like, oh, my goodness, this man's a genius. I respect the shit out of him, and I get to go engage in his whole body of work that I didn't know existed. That's all. Well, what's interesting is he has a ton of short films that he's done, um, like a lot. And then his first feature film was actually Hunger, which is about is starring Michael Fassbender, and it's about a hunger strike in the Irish uh, prisons. And it's um, uh, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Like it's it's unbelievably good, and like it like kind of like. It's just like some of the best. It's what makes Michael Fassbender great. And by the way, Michael Fassbender was also great in Tall Years a Slave. There is nobody who didn't do a good job of acting in this movie. Oh, absolutely true. And that's great. Like, what more can you ask for? And that's why I think it was all Steve McQueen. What, what makes this yes. movie come together in such right. a way? It's like he makes the actors better. He makes the music better. He makes the cinematography better. He's aware of things in a way that makes the entire movie like just fucking. Makes my dick hard. Oh, that's not a good way to say that. Because no, we can. This, well, I think the movie makes me feel good. But the, no. Well, it's so hard to phrase <laughs> no, what this you, properly, I know what you mean you know to say, what I mean? though. What you mean to say is that, like, and Brad Pitt says this, too. This is the movie that is made that makes you want to make movies. It, it makes you happy that something so great could be made. The subject matter isn't yes. going to make you happy, but as a film, uh, yes. it is a brilliant film that should make your dick hard because it's like really the epitome of great storytelling. It has gravitas. It's filled with angst and foreboding and longing and horrors. Like it really, and Brad Pitt says this over and over again in almost every interview. He says like, this exposes a side of humanity that we are consistently, consistently denying and repressing. And it, yeah. and it did so in an elegant and um, manageable way, you know? I don't know. I, well, I just, I think, like, that sort of, I agree with Brad Pitt because I, one of my notes was, I feel like slavery and, like, the Underground Railroad are one of those things in American history that is 
it's like, yeah, we are suppressing it, but it is such an ingrained part that heavily, heavily influences everything about now. And I don't think it's not like a thing to be proud of, but I think it's not something to ignore because of of what it says no, about our country. It should never fucking be ignored. And it's it's really it's interesting because this discussion is happening all the time now and it should be happening all the time now. But even in twenty thirteen, like we weren't openly talking about all of this shit. Oh yeah. I knew I knew white people in twenty thirteen who were saying I don't know why this movie had to be made. Like, slavery is such a downer. Why do we have to keep talking about it? Like, it's fucking over. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, this and is I, a, I, we could walk down this fucking path. I could start talking about reparations, reparations, and all these yeah, things. You're let's, right. We're here to talk we're about, here Brad, to talk Pitt about Brad Pitt movie. So let's cut to our yeah. formula, which is 2013, the year this movie came out. Okay. This is a new year. We haven't talked um, about 2013 yet. We haven't, but we kind of have a little bit. I don't have a lot of things because all of my notes were taken at work but the biggest thing for me in regards to this <laughs> podcast was that it was the year Roger Ebert died so no longer do we discuss I feel like we talk about Roger Ebert's death a lot on this well podcast. we talk about it a lot in the coming podcasts and we talked about it in Killing Them Softly or we talked about it last week yeah. because it was posthumous but this is the year he dies this is the first year okay that a movie comes out and roger ebert doesn't talk about it now that's not for everybody that's not a big deal but for our podcast i feel like we should just assess that we should acknowledge i guess yeah when we do reviews i usually do ew and ebert ebert's down for the count okay in january of 2013 performing a wheelie on a motorcycle was banned in illinois and still to this day is banned <laughs> you're not allowed to do wheelies in illinois Why? Yeah, okay. uh, by the end of 2013. That's not something I think of when I think of 2013. No, but, I mean, that was a fun, little, okay. a fun little tiddly-tiddle. Um, yeah. And, and keeping with the joyous nature of this episode's subject matter, it was the year of the Boston Marathon bombings. Um, and mm. really on theme, Brad Pitt's life, 2013. In the spring of 2013, Angeline Jolie underwent a surgery, a double mastectomy surgery to fend off cancer that's been passed down from her mother and her mother and her mother. She has that like one gene. So Brad Pitt's year, I just was reading all these articles, was like embroiled in 12 years a slave, Angelina Jolie's (laughs) double mastectomy and the like Mm -hmm. whole fucking hullabaloo of World War Z that went down the year before. So (laughs) this is basically Mm. the year this movie came out from what I can tell, is the worst movie of Brad Pitt's, the worst year of Brad Pitt's life. <laughs> Which I just, we got to chuckle about, right? Except, except for the fact that he won, wins Best Picture. He wins Best Picture and he wins himself his first and only Oscar? Or he has another Oscar? Uh, I think it might be his only Oscar. Mm-hmm. But not for acting. We might be wrong. Just it's not for acting. He's in this movie yeah. for eight minutes. He's been nominated for a few different things, but this is, uh, yeah, this is his first win. Um, yeah, I mean, he, I, I, and I think he and Steve McQueen were a good team because Brad Pitt is a total yes man, and he, yes man in that he he says yes to what he feels is like right. And so he and Steve McQueen made a good team because Steve McQueen was good at identifying what is right, and Brad Pitt is good at making that. Well, thing the reason happen. Brad Pitt is in this movie is so that 
he could get more money. He was like, I knew. I mean, he's in the movie for eight minutes. He's like, I knew if I put myself in this role, I could get more money. Just to say, like, he's, and this is what I read time and time again mm-hmm. when researching this, too, is that because he, probably because he won an Oscar for this and because he, like, really, really backed it, thought for it to be made. There's a lot of conversation right. about Brad's role as a producer, which in most of the movies he's produced that he's in, we don't really talk about because he stars in them in this mm-hmm. podcast. But what I hear time and time again is that he is like dedicated and very passionate and detailed about projects and that he's very savvy to the business, which we don't really think about. Yes. That he's very, very I think well that's aware. a relatively new thing for him. Yeah. I think he's relatively new to being well aware as in it, I think it's happened within the last five to 10 years for him of him finally being able to, well, it's 2013. So, I would say the last five years for yeah, him. Yeah, well, I was um, just going to say, he turned 50 this year. So he's like staring death. He's like knocking on death's door in his 50th, you know. I'm like to, I'd like to assume that he's going through a midlife crisis, but he's going through the opposite kind. So he's not getting a Porsche. The opposite kind? He's not getting a Porsche and like leaving his wife for younger women. Oh, right. You know, he's like, what right, is right. life no. about? It's about making solid, worthwhile contributions to the world and raising my six kids and taking care of my wife, you know? Well, yeah, this is because when most guys have midlife crisis crises, they want to become some, they want to, they look at Brad Pitt and they go, I never got a chance to do what Brad Pitt does. I'm going to buy a Porsche and I'm going to fuck young women because Brad Pitt can do it. I can do it. Brad Pitt's like, no, man, I've been, I've been Brad Pitt for a long time. Like, what's re- I want to feel real. Yeah. I want to see what's... And so, you know, he makes 12 years of sleep. I feel like him turning 50 and watching the, his progression, I feel like even in his interviews, his, like, his video interviews on the Today Show and whatnot, he's, like, so... He's just so much more reserved. He, it's almost like watching someone who's been, like, hit on the head a few times. Like, he's just chill as fuck. He doesn't have a lot to say. He's just like, I know right. who I am he's, and whatever. I mean, yeah, he, he's just like his character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He is just, mm. that was truly the most perfect role for him. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so let's, are you ready to talk about the movie yes, now? Is please. there anything else, else about 2013? Um, well. No, oh, well, he turned 50 and that's pretty much it. I have a lot to say about this movie. There's some interesting things. Me too. Let me set the stage for what it was like when I was watching this movie. Um, I started, I was bored and it was 10 p.m. And I was like, I'm going to start this movie right now at 10 p.m. In the apartment? Yeah. Fuck it. Can you give context for how hot the apartment is? That's what I, my next note is that at 10 p.m. it is still 85 degrees in my apartment. (laughs) So I had the front door open with the fan in the doorway blowing outside air in. And, um... Since the fan is on, it's loud, and so I ha- and the AC is on, which is also loud, yeah. and oh, I know so I have well. to have the volume on the TV up. So the TV volume had to be up, and then it's just horrible slavery violence. They're just screaming the N word. <laughs> it's and if the door is wide open, I'm sure people walking by thought they're like, "Who's like, that I guy?" I mean, they're like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? Does he want us to know he's watching 12 Years a Slave? Like, is his white guilt so bad that he needs everyone to know that he watched 12 Years a Slave? Um, and the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh-huh. Um, no, but it, it, 
But that was so. Also, since it was late, I was like, you know, in my feelings, and it was. It's a very emotional movie oh the entire time. I literally it's, could not breathe. I was crying so hard. There's a there not um, throughout how, the whole thing, but there's oh gosh, a really well. No, there's there's two moments where I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Would you like to know what those moments Same. are? Well, you tell me your first one, and I'll t- I'll guess the second one because I think I know the second. My one. My first moment. I think the second one's an obvious for all of us, right? My f- it's obvious. Yeah. My first moment was when he starts singing along. It's at the towards the end when he starts singing along with the slaves. They're all singing. Oh, really? That I didn't expect that. Because the way it was almost like in that moment he's just sitting there. It's like he's reserved because somewhere in his head he realizes that somewhere in his head he's like I'm a free person and I'm not like these people. But then there's that moment where he's like I I'm committing to this and I'll never see my family again. And then shortly after, he is freed. He gets his relief. Well, and, that's and the then, se- okay, and then, obviously your second moment is when he's reunited with his oh, family. I literally, I literally could not breathe. I was crying so hard. But I had also oh, had an emotional It's the best. Day. I love that I feeling. Mean, give it to me. Um, I love a good sub. You know what I thought was gonna, you were going to say? Because this was an emotional moment for me was when he's working on the little gazebo with Brad Pitt. Which, by the way, how funny that they just made a gazebo. (laughs) Um, But so him and Brad Pitt are building this gazebo. And Brad, I forget how it comes up, but he asks how he's talented or something like that. I don't know. But he, he comes to the realization that Brad Pitt is honest. And Brad says, oh, I would, I think slavery is terrible and I would never... I would never do something he says, to I like love my endanger you. He goes, I love my freedom and I can't imagine not having my freedom. Like he's like, I get to travel all around the world whenever I want and I never would take No, that not that it. part. It's it's when the guy when Brad Pitt lets him know that his secret is safe with him and that he will help him. Uh, it's like when and that relief of like that moment where you're just like, Oh my god, wait a minute, is this white person not actually good? the worst thing in the world? Right. Yeah, is this white person a good person? Yeah. Like, is he actually going to, like, do what he can to help? Well, that's a really interesting thing, though, too, is because you s- white people are presented throughout this that, movie yeah. so many times, right? Outside of... Okay, so the first white people we truly get to know are obviously his kidnappers, who... Right. Um, clearly are assholes. Then we meet Paul Giamatti, who's clearly a fucking asshole and only cares about money, the seller. Then we meet Benedict Cumberbatch. Ugh, and disgusting. he's, like... Seemingly, he is what he's the worst. Every uh, wait, okay, well, yeah, I mean, he he's a slave owner, so he's obviously a terrible person for that. But like, I think he is what if you visit a plantation now, they will tell you, well, the slaves were part of the family, you know, and like they didn't all get treated bad, you know, there were some slave owners yeah, who treated but them he like knew, family. But he knew that that. Um, what was the lead guy's name? Solomon. Solomon. He knew that Solomon was a free man and kept him there. Like knew that he was relatively educated. Well, he had a yeah. He did. I mean, this is the thing with what I think is that this movie does in an interesting way is that it doesn't paint all white people the exact same, and it doesn't show every slave owner as the exact well, that, same. Yeah, There's exactly. some slave owners. That's my point. Like Michael Fassbender, I think that if he was truly rich enough to own a slave because by the way I know. if they did the math and the um 
the with the inflation, it's like each slave on average costs about twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. So if if you know uh, what's his name Cumberbatch's character was actually rich enough to own a slave without going into debt because he had to go into debt to buy Solomon, um, he he may have let him go, um, but he was in such a deep debt that he was like, I can't keep you here and you also keep causing trouble. And so like, you're going to get killed if you stay here. The only chance you have at living is if I trade you somewhere else and I'm sorry, but it's the worst person ever. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yes, but I also feel like Benedict, that's my point. Going back to why I brought Benedict Cumberbatch up in the first place. It's like, it's all fucking shitty. All of it is shitty. All the people are shitty. Benedict Cumberbatch sucks just Differently, but just as much as Michael Fassbender, which brings me to my favorite yes. point. My f- because what he could have done... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go for it. Well, I was just going to say what Michael Fassbender could have done, or what Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch could have done if he, wanted, if he wanted to absolve himself of his debt, is he could have um, wrote the letter, proved that Solomon is a free man, taken that and showed it to um, the guy who sold him Solomon and said, hey, look, you sold me a free man. I want my money back. Yeah, that I mean, he could have done, done all sorts of things. That's my point. He's like, he's just, a, he pretends to be this like innocent and he was treated obviously better than Benedict, than uh, Fassbender. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just like the varying scales. But, yeah, he's not. Only 10%. Yeah, exactly. It's just crazy. Only 10% of black people in this country were from the North that inflation fact is crazy. My favorite little tidbit, I'm sure you read this, about this movie was <laughs> that in order to better portray an alcoholic, Fassbender had his makeup artist oh, paint yeah. booze on his mustache so that the people around him like viscerally reacted to his alcoholism because he wasn't actually drunk while he was performing it. And I yes. fucking love that. I mean... So they would like pull back a little and bit? And it's so effective. So true. You can see it. I love movie magic, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love movie magic when it comes from an actor, too. Yes, for sure. Um, we didn't really talk about Euphoria last week, but how cute was the girl who plays Rue in this movie? Was she in it? Uh, wait, no, Rue's sister. What's her name? Oh, the little baby girl. Yeah. Did you yeah, see her? Yeah, I saw her. I was like, wait, Rue is in? I was like, Zendaya is in 12 years of slavery. No, 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 no. Sorry. Not <laughs> Zendaya. The, the, her sister. She was like this little little girl. Yeah, so cute little and little. Cute. She didn't have a single line. Um, um, I didn't see her. My second favorite fact about this movie was that obviously, because the other thing about watching this movie was that outside of the subject matter, which is obvious, having to yeah. be an a human being in today's day and age or in 2013's day and age and have to live day in and day out the absolute harrowing nightmare that was slavery and that was your role. Like Michael Fassbender having to be that person every day. I can't imagine the emotional toll it takes on every single one of the actors, all the people involved in the movie. I mean, just to be even peripherally involved in the making of it on set, whatever. So my second yeah. favorite fact about the making of this movie was that Lupita Nyong'o and Michael Fassbender had a rule. It was called a ritual of making nice. Did you read this? 
where according to Nyong'o, yes, they, where would, they would like hold hands. They would hold hands. They would say nice things to each other. They would look each other in the eye, and they were because because their characters were in such opposition. They needed to know that like outside, they still were, like they were so dedicated to their roles that they needed to like go above and beyond the love on the outside, which I really appreciated. I thought that was a nice little fact. Yeah, me too. I mean, like Michael Fassbender, I think is. Um, he hasn't, I don't think he's been in anything too big recently, but he is an amazing character actor. Oh my actor. God, he's an amazing character He gets character deep into actor. his roles. And I need to tell you something that is really controversial and may get me in trouble. The most effective, most memorable scene for me from the last time I watched it to now is the whipping scene, obviously, where Solomon has to whip her. Oh, it's like the, it's the, one of the most like iconic scenes from this movie. Yes. Michael Fassbender, so right, that is the moment where you're like, what the fuck, and everything culminates, and it's just before the flip to the good side. Michael? And honestly, that's like Steve McQueen's thing. Yeah, oof. Is horribly uncomfortable scenes like that. But the camera movement, and just the way it was crafted, just so brilliant. Yeah. Michael Fassbender's penis outline. I didn't even see it. How did I not notice? I think I was distracted by the slave woman. Well, uh, that seems like it was a little bit preoccupied with that. Well, no, because I noticed. No, but here's here's the reason why. You not- I noticed the penis outline. <laughs> this is so fucked. I noticed the penis outline <laughs> oh before <laughs> the whipping scene. So it's the scene right before the whipping scene, which is actually what she auditioned with to get the role, where he's just being a dick to her. Like he's wanted right. to do the whole time. Um, I was like, I hate, but also I was watching it for the sake of this podcast. So I'm like looking things to talk about. Right. <laughs> and sure. he's wearing these yeah. loose pants and I'm telling you it's a BD, it's a BDO, a big dick outline throughout the whole thing. BDO. I mean, obviously when the action gets going but in this movie, he does not have BDE. No, he has LDE. Yeah. Big, big LDE energy. He has MDE mini dick energy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we should probably just say that once you get over the shock of like the, the content of the plot, like what we want to also talk about what goes beyond just the fact that it's a a movie about a a man who is a slave for 12 years like that. You have to like at some point move past that because there is so much more to this movie than just that. And I think it's. Very good. And just the repercussions throughout history, like you touched on earlier. It's like this movie is a story in its way today as it was then. Like, obviously. It's an American story. It's an American story, but it's also like the repercussions of it are still felt consistently all the time, every day across the country. But also it's like the idea of freedom and what we define as freedom is like a, it's, it's, um, it's just deeper than like the surface, which I think makes in general, because this is a movie podcast for the best movies, like a good movie is a movie that even a snapshot of a day in the life of a man waking up and going to school and then coming home and going to sleep can be an amazing movie. Not because of what the story is necessarily, even though this one is an important one. It's like the subtext and the lasting impression and you know, the true meaning behind all these things. And yeah, that brings it back to Steve McQueen. Who's like fucking brilliant at that fucking brilliant yeah um 
Did you notice how sometimes the dialogue was very Shakespearean? Oh in my this movie? god, Michael, you took the you took the words right out my notes. I was like, I actually googled really? halfway through. I was like, is this an iambic pentameter? It feels very Shakespearean. It, there are some times. It was, you know, when it was, I got Shakespearean vibes when it was the slaves talking to each other. That's when it was the most Shakespearean. That's funny. I was gonna say it was. Um, What's the actress's name who's married to Michael Fassbender who hates Lupita? She's an American Horror Story. She's in this movie. Oh, yeah. Sure. I know who you're talking about. I thought about. she was very Shakespearean. Um, also, I thought everybody no, she, spoke that way. She looked, she looked Shakespearean, but she wasn't. She didn't have really very many Shakespearean lines. It was mostly the scenes between Solomon and Lupita. Those were very Shakespearean. And when Solomon... I mean, Solomon talking to other slaves were the Shakespearean ones. That's when they were speaking like an iambic pentameter. But actually, no, you're kind of right. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it... I think the Southern, like, the timing of the world in which it was set, which was also very well done. Like, have you ever been to the South? Have you ever been to that area in the world? Actually, no, I haven't. The sound of the world sounded like the south and i think Hmm. i think that the the late 1800s dialect was very shakespearean Hmm. so i think maybe and i don't know this for sure that it was like actually a direct that's how people spoke back then but i did i thought for a second that the whole thing was fully like written out specifically in that way and the guy who wrote it, huh. Ridley, um, won an Oscar for Best Adapted John Screenplay Ridley. for that reason. I mean, yeah, so this, this movie won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. It won Best Supporting Actor by Lupita. Um, and might I say. Lupita Nyong'o, I think is her name. Jesus Christ, she was so fucking good. Oh, she was amazing. And, like, I didn't even realize until I looked her up that she was also the main late girl from Us. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that yet, but I will. Oh, it's so good. And she's so good in it. Actually, no, I did realize it because I realized it. Well, this wouldn't make sense if you haven't seen Us. But in Us, they, like she talks with a raspy voice sometimes. And there's a moment where she's like begging for something in a raspy voice. And I was like, oh, wait, that's the voice from Us. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, my God, she was in Us. <laughs> um, Do you know that they auditioned over a thousand people for her part? Holy fuck. And Steve McQueen said it was like looking for Scarlett O'Hara. He was like, I was convinced we were never going to find her. And then a a tape came from an untried actress who was from Ken. She's Kenyan and Mexican and graduated from the Yale School of Drama. Whoa. Oh, my God. I love that. She's so good. This is her first major role. She's half Mexican, half Kenyan. This is her first major role. They looked for they looked for a thousand people. She sent a tape in. Wow. Which was the scene in which she asks Solomon to kill her and the scene in which hold on, was when I first noticed the penis. Oh, Patsy's gone. The Patsy's gone scene. Right before the whipping scene, Patsy's gone. She auditioned for both of those and Steve McQueen said he flew her out here immediately and like he was like, we fa- we it's fucking a true Hollywood found story. a true Hollywood story. It's a, wow, that's amazing. It's a THS. I also wrote in all caps in my notes, God damn it, Armsby. Like, I, it was, it's that moment when, you know, that guy is working in the fields with him and he's getting, he's only bringing in like 60 pounds of cotton Ugh. every day. And then 
finally Solomon builds up the courage to like tell him like hey can you mail me this letter for me and then he fucking tattles on him like a goddamn third grader it's so oh no shit. god it made me so mad have you ever watched Deadwood no oh it really reminded me of his role in Deadwood let me tell you I keep trying to, I keep trying to watch it and I'm just like yeah. It's my favorite thing ever. Written in entirely in iambic pentameter. Thank you very much. Maybe that's why I can't watch it is because it's like exhausting for me to listen to it. Um, there was one thing I wanted to tell you. Oh, this is my favorite fact. I know I've said that about all these oh. facts, but yeah, you when have, they, but okay. <laughs> I know, but you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where, like we said earlier, when you see a good movie, you know it's a good movie, and then you read the facts mm-hmm. about it, and you go, or like it's a movie you you would want to make it's a movie worthwhile making and it was really perfectly made so then all the facts yeah. are really interesting but when they were shooting in louisiana it only took 35 days and they shot with oh, one yeah. camera one camera that's amazing he's a fucking genius yeah people were amazed that he was able to do that because he's he hasn't directed that many feature films he's only got like four under his belt and so i think like this is an and this is an independent movie. Yeah. I mean, Brad Pitt produced it. They had a twenty-two million dollar budget, but that budget he was only able to get partly because he was in the movie. Yeah. I mean, Steve McQueen's not a big director. No. At least he wasn't at the time. He he was a guy who had directed like two features. Neither of them were that wildly commercially sex, successful, yeah. and so it was like, you know, this guy's going to take on this huge undertaking, and he knocked it out of the fucking park, and people were shocked. I'm just so thrilled about that. For a few reasons. One, because Brad Pitt is really savvy to the the movie industry. And I think he was mm-hmm. like, wasn't... I mean, obviously, I think he knew he was going to probably get some awards. Because that was one of the big criticisms. Yeah. Like, this was like, oh, you make a movie about the Holocaust and slavery and you're going to get an Academy Award, etc. Whatever. That's a bullshit argument. But I think he genuinely... I genuinely think he made this because he wanted to fucking make it. And I think he chose the right, right. director for it. I think Steve McQueen came to him and said, like, I want to make this. And it was, I think it was a genuine effort. And you, and I think you can see that throughout. I agree. Um, we did also have to wait a solid hour and 20 minutes before Brad Pitt even showed up in this movie. Yeah. And then he was in it for eight minutes. A little less than eight minutes. Shall we discuss his role, though? He- yeah. I mean, he's the white savior. Yeah, he got a lot of flack for being the white savior, but the the thing is, is like there was no other person but a white savior. I mean, I there guess there wasn't. Was yeah, Harry, there's like the the. I was gonna. This say is that. also a true story. Yeah, we haven't mentioned that yet. It's a true story, which I now want to read. I mean, it's just I'm so thrilled about this movie because it makes me want to do research. It makes me want to read. It makes me want to make movies. It's like. It makes me assess who I am in my culture, where I live. It makes me assess modern day. Like, it's just, it's so important. It's a, it's a, it's so required viewing for everyone. I think so. Everyone needs to watch I think this movie. So. Um, and not in a way especially of like, Americans, especially fucking Americans, especially right fucking now. It's just like, hey, we can talk about slavery. We can, you know. But this, there's, there's more to this movie than just slavery. Like slavery is, slavery is such a blanket thing yeah. that is so obviously bad you know it's like there's so many more implications because of slavery oh my god this movie touches on well that's what i'm saying i think it captures really well slavery in a lot of ways has not gone away it's just shape-shifted in this country and in other countries like 
And this movie shows that. This movie shows how things that we experience now were happening then. And, like, things happen in the movie where you're like, oh, wait, that same microaggression or that same, like, type of interaction happens now. Yeah, it's so fucked. It's crazy. Um, Anyway, we're sort of getting on the whole shock value of slavery again. I just want to say. Okay, go ahead. I've already said it 16 times, but this is my final piece. You have another favorite fact? No, I'm just fucking thrilled that this movie was made. (laughs) I do have another fun fact. You want to hear it? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, So this movie tied with Gravity for Best Picture at the Producers Guild Awards. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And um, that's all. I didn't think Gravity was that great compared to this. It's like fucking I feel like bullshit. I saw Gravity at, I mean, yes, but I saw Gravity in an um, IMAX theater, and it was like, I was real high. Oh, that would be intense. Could have possibly been on acid. Anyway, can I just tell you what else won in the world of 2013 for the Oscars that year? Because it's really interesting. Our, yeah. We're like, in 2013, I truly remember every single movie. Yeah, 2013, I remember very well. Go Anyway, so what, what happened? Tell me. So 12 Years a Slave won Best Picture. Matthew Mc... I was like, I was like, Lupita obviously gets Best Supporting Actress, but then I was like, why didn't Echiofor win for Best Actor? Because he fucking kills it. He slayed it. You want to know yeah, why? Yeah, he did so good. Matthew McConaughey and Dallas Byrx Club. And I have to say, that that role... Nope. I still... You don't like no, it? No, it's... I, it gives me the chills just thinking about it. It's... So oh, yeah. fucking beyond acting. I, and re- remember when Matthew McConaughey was kind of dismissed as an actor oh. and he was just like a rom-com guy and like he was whatever. Yeah. And then he does this and like snatched all of our wigs and no one knew what to do with themselves. And Matthew McConaughey became the biggest star ever. Yeah. He did true detective. I yeah. mean, I, I, have such I watch that movie right all the time. That's one of the movies I watch all Dallas the time. Dallas Buyers Club, I know I say this a lot, and I just said this about this movie, but Dallas Buyers Club is <laughs> truly, truly, truly a movie that makes me want to make movies. Oh, yeah. The makeup budget for Dallas Buyers Club, for the whole movie, this is going through, which is about AIDS, was $300. Oh, my God. Wait, 300 I didn't even know that. Yeah, that movie was made with passion and love and killed it. That's what, and that's, like, I love that movie it's one of my favorites like that budget ever so under a million it was anyway let me go back to the oscars really quick unless you have something to say i'm sorry I no i don't have to go read off the oscars but so like you're like why didn't chiatel win and then you're like well why didn't uh fassbender win for best supporting or whatever and it's because of jared leto and the best supporting actor in dallas buyers club and which was controversial but i i do I think thought he, he killed deserved it. it i think yeah whatever um Jer- uh, Kate Blanchett won for Best Actress in Blue Jasmine. Okay. And the Best Original Screenplay was given to Spike Jones for her. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. That was a good year for movies. Uh-huh. A little bit more context for the year. Best Original Song went to Let It Go from Frozen. <laughs> oh, my God. That's weird because that song still plays oh my God. often. My nephew, he's three. He never stops singing. And he goes, Elsa, Elsa. Anyway. Yikes. Okay. But Lupita did win for Best Supporting, and she did fucking deserve it. Yeah. Hard year for this movie to compete at the Oscars. It would have swept the Oscars in, like, at, like a different year. Yeah, but it got Best Oscar, to Oh, be yeah, fair. no. It got Best Picture and Best Supporting. It won two big things. It is unfortunate for Chiotelbe, because he, like, fucking... Uh, Steve McQueen says he was the only person for the role. And he turned it down originally, yeah, it, and then, like, he yeah. was like, no, when I was... This was him and nobody else and they finally convinced yeah. him to do it 
Want to tell me a little bit about how it was made? I would love nothing more. It's not that interesting of a story, actually. It's <laughs> it was kind of like. Um, how much did it? What did it cost? And how much did it make? At least. Well, it's just like they wrote this movie like like uh, Steve McQueen and John Ridley wrote this movie. Um, and then Brad Pitt like was connected with them and, and he helped them get studio attention to get some money. They got $22,000 to make the movie. Um, and then they just like, they fucking did it. And like we talked about, sorry, 22 million. <laughs> I was, my bad. Um, I was like, oh my God. That would have been an incredible feat. No. And, and then they just like, they went to Louisiana and they fucking made this, good ass movie and with one camera. it was just a labor of love with one camera yeah um it was an expression of true acting and i mean when you watch any steve mcqueen movie you're like this is film you know like this is film but not, making but not in a like because normally i hate that like it doesn't it's, i haven't seen no, anything it, else it, by him it, but it's not in a pretentious way. Because there's like, this no, is film not. pretension, and then there's this is film, holy fuck, I wish I was a filmmaker, and that's why I... Do. That's what and it that's is. Why it's, it's like, oh, this is what cinema is about. Yeah, and it's you like, and I are this both is what filmmakers. We both make our living making things for the screen, so it's like... Exactly. It's, it's a little bit even more, it's a more... It drives home a little bit more. Totally. And so... So that, it, I mean, it's not a crazy, crazy story about how it, it did get made, but um, going also, like, piggybacking a little bit on the awards thing you were just talking about, I'd just like to point out that this movie won 241 awards in total, wow. and it was nominated for 330, which is a pretty wow. damn good uh, success rate of awards. Um, uh, also, I will say on Prime, I rented this on Amazon Prime, and it says that the movie stars Benedict Cumberbatch and Brad Pitt. Yeah, of course. That is some white fucking privilege in action, baby. Because yeah. it does not star those two. Those two are in it, uh, and they do a good job, but it does not star them. It's white privilege, um, and it's movie business. It's business. It's business. Uh. And But Brad Pitt knew getting involved. He knew that that's why he was getting involved. Yeah. Because he, he needed to... It needed to get butts in seats and that's a good time for that to happen. Yeah. Um, so should, is it time to move to, I think we should just do it. Let's move into well, our how ratings. How much did it make? It, oh, sorry. It's actually, okay. This is interesting. It's financial information because it, it like, it was a, like a roller coaster. It opened its first week. It opened October 18th, 2013. It made $923,000. Um, which is low, low, low. But it that was, was only in 19 release, theaters. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Limited, yeah, 19 theaters. It opened up a little bit, a few more theaters the next week. It made 2.1 million. Then the week after that, it like doubled again. How many theaters? It was 4.7 million. So it, it made between like four and six million for about five weeks. Pretty good. And then it goes down back into under a million. And then January 17th, 2014. Um, which is right the week the that Oscars. the Oscar nominations, yeah, yeah, they're released, the nominations. It goes back up. It made $1.5 million, um, a 469% increase in ticket sales on its 14th wow. week. And then the week after that, another uh, 40% increase in ticket sales, making $2 million. Um, the number of theaters it was in went from seven, it went to 114 
to 1,231. So, like, it's just, like, this movie was, like, it came out, it did okay, and then it kind of, like, slowed down, and then the Oscars came out, and then it, like, blew up again. Well, I hate to say it, but this movie, good filming or bad, is an Oscars fucking wet dream. The Oscars love this shit. I know. And if if this movie didn't come out and everything else was out there... Dallas Buyers Club would have won because it is an AIDS movie. And yeah. Do you know that I the, I wish that we were doing, I mean, the, I just look up the budget on your own time, the Dallas Buyers Club budget. It's like $200,000. It's like nothing. That's hilarious. It's like, it's like Napoleon yeah. Dynamite. Um, All right. So that was, that's the story of the numbers for that. And then the money that it, it ultimately total domestic box office was fifty six point six million. International box office is one hundred and twenty four. Total worldwide one hundred and eighty one million. DVD sales are twenty five million. So it it obviously made its money back and then some. Um, it did good commercially. It won Best Picture. I mean, this movie did fine financially. It had a for an indie movie. This is the absolute best case scenario. You know. Yeah. Um, same for reviews. This is just a universally lauded film. There's nothing you can say against it. Um, IMDb, which isn't a very credible source, gives it an 8.1 out of 10. Um, I don't know why it's low. Uh, Metacritic gives it a 96%. Rotten Tomatoes a 95%. EW gave it an A. Um, it's it's hard for us to kind of like critique and discuss like a best picture movie. Like there's a lot there's it's hard to say anything new or interesting about it because it's just like this movie is thoroughly good in every aspect. And Brad Pitt has a bit role, so we can't even talk about him that I much. think I think there's probably other best we haven't on this podcast, but I'm sure there's a ton of movies that won best picture that I could fucking destroy. This one is not one of them. Oh yeah. This is not one of them. Though. Um absolutely. So Green Book, we could destroy. Oh, I'll destroy Green Book. Oh, I'll destroy fucking Green Book. Did it? That one, right? <laughs> this year? Yeah. No. Listen, it wasn't a bad movie, but it was sure as fuck not the best movie. It was not the best picture. Um, okay, no. and it wasn't a great movie either. It was just a movie. I I should have never said that. You have gone off the deep end. Continue talking about 12 Years a Slave, please. What just happened in my brain was that I took like a movie rewind where I like in my brain rewound through all the movies I've seen this year. I like went through um, A Star is Born. And I went like to the... Anyway. Um, Okay. Let's discuss... First and foremost, Brad's looks. Okay. I'm gonna give him a I'm gonna give him a six. I am gonna give him a four, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I didn't like <laughs> No what you didn't like. Nobody likes. Yeah, so why would I give him a six? Strap? I didn't want to fuck him in this. Let's You know what? You're right. I'm gonna give him a five. No. Six he's is a high. four. He's smelly, he's dirty. I mean listen, it was well done. Also, in this time, he had really long hair. He had really long, straight hair in the really? world. It wasn't in the in the actual attractive. world. After the movie had come out, right? He still didn't cut his hair. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he isn't the most fuckable, to be honest. So he gets a four. No. Yeah, I feel you. Okay, what about his acting? Nine. Nine. Yeah, I'm gonna give him an eight. It was good. He was just solid, solid, good acting job. But, like, I mean, he didn't steal the show. He didn't blow me out of the water. It was just, like, he, Brad Pitt did a good job. He emoted. He this was comfortable. Eight. He saved the day. 
Yeah. I thought he did. No, I thought he did do a good job when he was delivering that speech about his freedom. I thought it was a nine. It was nine worthy. Okay. Movie overall, um, ten. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a ten. I. I just want to stress that I think this movie is really fucking well made. Like that whipping scene with one camera, the way that one camera moves is like really amazing. Yeah, and it doesn't cut either. It doesn't fucking cut. It's so fun to watch. Um, well, fun. I mean, it's fun to watch filmmaking It's fun to watch happen. in the same way your dick gets hard by this movie. <laughs> yes. Which is to yes. say, yes. you're absolutely the reverse. Like you are flaccid as fuck, but you're also hard for the movie maker in you. Yes, exactly, exactly. The filmmaking is what is, is absolutely thrilling. Um... Okay. So thus concludes 12 Years a Slave. What's up next on our list? This is, oh, by the way, I haven't I mentioned, I was... this is episode 40. It's a big milestone for us. 40, baby. We're killing it. We're doing the thing. We turn 40 the year Brad Pitt turns 50. Aww. If you know what I'm saying to you. Only a little. Okay, so that's it for 12 Years a Slave, a fantastic movie. Join us next week for The Counselor. A movie from also from 2013, starring, once again, Michael Fassbender, but also Penelope Cruz, Cameron Diaz, Javier Bardem, and the one and only Brad Pitt. William Bradley Pitt. That sounds like an all-star cast. I have not heard of this movie, which makes me nervous that there's such a good cast of a movie I've never heard of. I know for a fact, no, no, I know for a fact, having never seen or heard of this movie, that it's bad. Because if I've never heard or seen of a Brad Pitt movie, I've, in the... 40 episodes we've done there's this. There's a reason. We've never liked there's one a we've reason. never heard of. So let's. That's just so true. Yeah. All right. Well, can't wait to sit through this movie. Join us next week. <laughs> It'll be funny at least. <laughs> Love you. Bye.